0: Welcome to the mini break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, January 31st. Now, I imagine many of you listeners feel like I do. We're all still experiencing a bit of a hangover effect from the 2023 Australian Open. And of course, how could we not? The year's first major provided so much compelling, so much captivating action over the course of the past two weeks. That said, as all of us tennis Fans have learned the tennis world, it slows down for no one. We have another jam packed Week of action on our hands. So much fantastic tennis happening across levels in the tennis world. What I want to do on today's show is preview all of that action for all of you tennis fans tuning in. Break down the WTA 250 events happening in Lyon, happening in Joaquin. We have four ATP Challenger events. Now, for the complete breakdown, I would direct all of you to our Great Shot podcast feed, our contributors, Damien Kust, Jakub Bobro, break down the challenge. Tour each and every Monday over on that Great Shot podcast feed. That said, I will particularly have my eyes this week on the action happening in Cleveland, that Challenger event one we've gotten to spend so much time at over the course of the years here at Cracked Rackets. And certainly it's a nexus of all things we love, right? High rising Americans, college players looking to make a dent on the Pro Tour, those junior players who are now afforded an opportunity to test themselves against some of the best in the tennis world. We just get to see a little bit of everything. Obviously, it's a very American-centric event happening in Cleveland, Ohio. As such, we've gotten the opportunity to also speak with so many of the players who will be competing this week. As such, I will take time each and every day here on the mini break to talk about the action happening in Cleveland. But again, two WTA 250 events, four challengers. I think we have a WTA 125K as well. Countless ITF Pro Circuit events, countless exciting collegiate matches happening this weekend as well that, of course, we'll be previewing Tuesday and Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time over on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. But the point is that hangover, it's got to go away quickly as we have another jam-packed week of action to enjoy and absorb here on the ATP and WTA tours and again across levels in the tennis world that said before I get to previewing all of this week's action. A massive shout-out to all of you listeners. I alluded to this yesterday, but sincerely, January was our biggest month on the podcast in our Cracked Rackets history, and that's a testament to all of you who continue to trust us to provide all the information you're looking for day in, day out, all the happenings across levels in the tennis world. We're so honored to be able to do that. We will continue to do so throughout the course of this 2023 season. Of course, I also have to give a shout-out in particular to our dear friends at Tennis Point who have supported us here at Crack Rackets from the start who make this mini break possible of course as well day in day out and they provide the best equipment at the best prices to tennis players everywhere to have access to it all. All you got to do Go to tennis point.com today. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off all sale items free. Two day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis Dash point, symbol, not the spelling, tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. Before I get to any individual event, I do want to talk about one of the prevailing themes of this upcoming month of February. I know technically it's Tuesday, January 31st, but Perhaps some of you listeners have been with us for more than a few months now, and you've heard me allude to players that I call February and October players. It's a term coined by my dear friend Gil Gross. I don't think he realized what he was doing as he said it, but I do think that is an important term to keep in mind because when we allude to those sorts of players, we're talking about the players who, A, are more are more willing to run up a high match count throughout the course of the season. As such, they'll get aggressive in their scheduling. They'll look to play February, you know, two, if not three, maybe even events in the lead up to the Sunshine Swing. You also have certainly players who will take this opportunity to Go play the South American clay courts on the ATP side. There are a lot of indoor, fun, hard court events on the WTA side as well. That's an advantageous surface to many specific styles of play on the WTA tour. The point is, you know, this is where maybe not the best – But the rest separate themselves from the field on the ATP and WTA tours. And look, there's also a negative connotation to February and October players. When Gil and I allude to them, we're talking about players who typically deliver big results in these, we'll say, less significant, though not unimportant, but less significant portion of the calendars. And we'd like to see that success translate, obviously, to high-level Masters 1000 Grand Slam success. But again, this is where you take note of what players are frisky. Certainly, given many of the top dogs, I would be shocked if we see Novak Djokovic play more than one event in this month of February. We know Nadal is out with injury. Now, guys like Tsitsipas like to run up high match counts. FAA, indoor hard courts, this is where he thrives, and certainly as we get to the Middle East— on the WTA side you have a couple of 500 level events on the ATP side you know you have a 500 in the Middle East a 500 in Acapulco we will get to see some of the big guns at some point during the course of this month. But week in, week out, it'll be about those players ranked 35 to 50 who are looking to make a push to be seeded at the upcoming French Open. You'll have those players outside the top 50 who, given now, they'll be able to get into main draws of these tour-level events as some of the top players in the world won't compete each and every week. They're going to try and make a push to get inside the top 50, earn direct entry into those 1,000-level tournaments, of course. Players outside the top 100. Now, because these draws have loosened up you have the opportunity if you're ranked 130 in the world maybe instead of playing a challenger you go and play qualifying at an ATP 250 event or maybe even instead of qualifying you get into the main draw at one of the 250s whether it be in South America whether it be in Europe wherever it may be the point is there are a lot of opportunities here in the month of February for lesser I don't want to say lesser caliber I don't want to say lesser heralded either, but perhaps less credentialed players, less established, that's the word we'll go with, less established players to begin to establish themselves, to begin to run off a two-week, three-week run of a couple quarterfinals, maybe a finals appearance mixed in, whatever it may be. This is where we see unexpected surges in the ranking. It's this portion of the month because we know who's competing in the 1,000-level events. We ultimately know who... I mean, not ultimately, but we can guess with some accurate approximation who's going to be competing in the final stages of majors, more so even now than ever, perhaps on the WTA Tour in particular. Um, But who's going to be filling out the first round? Who's going to be the seeded players that are looking to make second week pushes, looking to continue to climb the rankings as well? This is the opportunity on the calendar when all of those players have the chance and will get the match play to, again, earn themselves an opportunity to progress. I do think that's an important theme to dwell upon uh, as we start our coverage here of the month of February. And again, some of that may not be new information. I imagine a lot of it's not to you listeners. But if you're going to listen day in, day out, you're not going to hear a ton of Djokovic talk, Sabalenka talk, you know, Iga talk. I'm sure Pass and FA will end up playing in Rotterdam. But until we get to those weeks, we want to focus on some of the other things. And one of the big themes in particular, I think, as you look at this week's WTA events, and we'll start in Lyon, is the continuance of the youth movement that we see across both the ATP and WTA tours. That generational shift I've alluded to since the start of these Cracked Rackets podcasts, it has thoroughly manifested itself on the women's side, Sabalenka, Iga, Rabak, And, uh, all slam champions. Now, obviously Andrescu Osaka ain't too old either. They're slam champions still. I mean, whatever. We're not going to unpack that statement. You all understand what I'm trying to say there. And, you know, again, As those players get into their 23, 24, 25, mid 20s, establish themselves further, what's that next wave of young talent coming up the ranks? Certainly, we know about a Coco Goff who has already established herself. We know about a player like Jung Chin Wen who has already established herself as a top 40, top 50 sort of player. But again, who are the other names? We uh, Junction 1, by the way, 29, so top 30, we'll say, type player. But who are the other names we should look for? This is where you see the Clara Tossens of the world and others begin to make their runs. And, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of that this week in Lyon. You look up and down the draw, some of the young names, in my opinion, and there are a wave of that to keep an eye on, but... You start with the big one with Linda Noskova, who, of course, had to come through qualifying of this event in Lyon. They didn't factor in her points quite yet when the acceptance lens came out from her run to the final in Adelaide to start the season. So, of course, Noskova right now ranked number 49 in the live rankings is the 17-year-old. She's the number one seed in Qualies, nevertheless has to come through qualies She gets a couple of straight set wins there and then starts things out with a one-in-four victory over Garbine Muguruza. And look, I I mentioned the unpacking earlier for Osaka and Andreescu. If we began to try to unpack what's going on right now with Garbine Muguruza, who lost her sixth consecutive match, who over her last 52 weeks now is 10-19 and overall, who you look in the rankings has fallen all the way down to number 81 has Muguruza in the live rankings. There's just not a lot of confidence. There's not a lot of cohesiveness in any individual thing she's trying to do, point in, point out. And look, when you're when you're lacking rhythm, when you're lacking confidence playing someone with the weapons of Nascova, that's going to be an issue because you have to dictate when you're playing the big ball striker and, again— the inconsistency prevented Muguruza from keeping pace with Noskova, whose backhand down the line is just absolutely special. And that ability to, again, pull that trigger when her feet if, – if she gets her hands on the ball and her feet are set, she can hit three with her backhand at any moment. She does a very good job with her patterns. Two balls cross one line, whether it be the forehand or the backhand wing. She did a great job of holding her ground on the return of serve, continuing to pressure Muguruza. Uh, Muguruza throughout the course of her service games, Muguruza winning just 43% of her second serve points, two of six and saving, you know, broken four times throughout the course of this match. Naskova, meanwhile, who is so successful with her first strike, saved six of the seven break points that she faced in this match, won 72% of her first serves. Now, the first serve struggled today, in particular, set number two, it kind of fell off a cliff and Muguruza was able to take some returns earlier, get Naskova off of her front foot, but... Nascova plays top 50 power tennis the way she asserts herself so well. Again, 17 years old right now. Excuse me, 18 years old is Naskova. 18 years old. You know that's ridiculous for her to be ranked now inside the top 50 of the live rankings. And again, you look for Linda Noskova following uh, this run uh, for her to um, excuse me, uh, this run, this run. I say following her victory, she is up to a new career high. Uh, Noskova, excuse me. I think I said 49. I meant for Noskova, 52 year uh, in the rankings for the 18 year old, which. is remarkable. And by the way, why did I screw up her ranking? Because right above her is Linda Fruvertova, who we'll get to in Joaquin in a moment, but the 17-year-old up to number 49 in the live rankings, a new career high fi- following her victory. Two teenage checks, both inside the top 52, both again competing this week. We know about the weapons of Naskova. We saw them in Adelaide on her run to the final. It she, you know, again, I know she lost first round at that Uh, In the Australian Open, a tough loss to Sabov. certainly. Um, That said, it was a really emotional first week, a week that saw her play seven total matches on her way to that final in Adelaide. And, you know, again, for her to have to come through qualifying, win those matches in straight sets, first-round victory over a struggling Muguruza, who her power tennis just overwhelmed throughout the course of the match. Neskova now 46 and 18 overall over her last 52 weeks. She's won 72% of her pro matches for her career. 18 years old, 94 and 37. It's a 72% win percentage. She's now 21 and 9, including qualifying in the tour level matches that she's played. Now, there's been a lot of qualifying for her thus far, but again, Adelaide final, Now wins a match here in Lyon, qualified and won a match in Tallinn as well at the end of last season. Certainly that semifinals in Prague as a wild card in the summer where she beat uh, Alize Cournet and played a really tough match with Boschkova. Might be one some remember, but goes without saying, the Linda Nascova rise is real, and she's got the pedigree. It makes sense as you look for Nascova, another one of those talented young Czechs who you go back to her time in the junior rankings. She, of course, uh, won the 2021 Junior French Open title. So the weapons are real. The first strike is real. She advances here in Lyon. Sets up a date with sixth seed, Meyer Sharif, who is and own the career head-to-head. But again, indoor hard courts, you probably need Nascova in that matchup. That said, and I'm going to go a little bit more quickly from here, but all across the board, you know, Erika Andriva, who's another former top junior, 18-year-old from Russia, who qualifies with impressive wins over Tomova and Perry to get into the main draw. She gets a win over Anna Blinkova in round number one. If you haven't seen Andreeva, boy, she strikes the ball well. And again, you look for Andreeva with this victory. She currently is sitting uh, at number 128 in the live rankings, 10 off her career high. She wins another match. She'll re- up to number 115, which would be a new career high. Again, this is that opportunity. This is the moment on the schedule for her to make a move, someone to watch for, certainly. You know, we already know about Kami Osorio, uh, the former World Junior number 1. It has made multiple tour-level finals in her career. She won a title in Bogota back in 2021. She played a really good match, you know, slipped up a little bit at the end of set number 2, but ultimately three-set win over Alize Cornet. She matched Cornet's physicality, and the depth she was generating... It's not an obvious weapon, but she moves the ball so well around the court. She strikes the ball early. The contact point is clean. She can throw different spins at you as well. The lobs, the slices. It's, it's a little less powerful version of Kenan. Maybe that's how I view Osorio, but i uh, certainly top fifty there. And you know, again, for her to go, to, you know, first round, first match of the season, she wins, but then she draws Ega round two. You know, tough draw with Cornet, round number one. She gets the win there. So keep an eye on a bounce back here from Osorio, part of the calendar. She's had a lot of success in throughout the cor- uh, course of her career. You know, again, Julia Nehmeyer, the 23-year-old from Germany. She gets a good win over Danilovic. Her weapons indoors. They're an issue. Same with Alicia Parks, the rising American who, you know, disappointing that she didn't qualify, lost second round qualifying to Sarah Bialik, who is another talented young rising Czech we all got to know in Australia. But Parks bounces back. Three-set win here over Julia Graber. Continues to establish herself as Parks who, you know, again, as a reminder at the end of last season, good run for her in Ostrava, then wins back-to-back 125Ks to end the year. Good three-set win over Graber. Uh, the 22-year-old Parks, uh, who doesn't turn 23 until December 31st of this year. So this is her age 22 season inside the top 100. That's where she wants to be. Her weapons are real. real uh, excuse me, the physicality of Aston, uh, Anastasia Potapova. After a tough Australia, brutal draw, she loses to Naskova, Adelaide 1 qualifying, Chinwen, Adelaide 2 qualifying. Wins first-round match in Australia, but then a tough uh, second-round to Parise as diaz Gets things back in the right direction. Three-set win for her over a qualifier. You know, again, Potapova, Parks, Naskova, Nehemiah, Andriva, Kami Osorio. This is the new middle class of the WTA Top 100. These are the players who are going to be battling to get those second-round shots, third-round shots at some of the... Top seeds in the world, and they're going to look to further push themselves. And when they start creeping into top fifty, uh, into the top fifty, and start getting seeded at slams again, these are the names you should be looking for. All of them competing this week in leon Of course, there are also some top dogs. You've got Caroline Garcia. I wonder what the appearance fee was. How do you convince her to play this 250 event after she had a pretty freaking good. Uh, pretty freaking good month of January. That said, Garcia also has very few points to defend until the halfway mark of the year. Well, then she has a lot of points to defend. So she's also just patting those stats. I like it. I like the decision. She gets a first round victory. She's a 37.1% favorite to win the event, according to Tennis Abstract. Next closest is Nascova at 11%. You also have second seed Jung Shui, the veteran. Second seed, again, probably hasn't been that a lot of times in her career at a 250 level or higher event, 6.3% chance to win fourth seeded Petra Martic. 8.6%. So those are the things to watch. Uh, certainly again, Osorio plays Niemeyer round two, Uh, parks plays martich round two that's a really fun one very fun contrast of styles though two aggressive players that do it in different ways lots to watch and leon we'll keep our eyes on it throughout the course of this week of course that's wta 250 event number one wta 250 event number two happening this week over in Joaquin. From the youth movement perspective, you know, again, Marta Kostyuk coming off of a really good month of January. Kostyuk, of course, makes the uh, quarterfinals of Adelaide 1 before getting knocked out by Jabir. She makes third round Aussie Open, wins over Nisimova there before getting knocked out by Pagula. Looking to make her push back into the top 50 and with her win in round number one, Kostyuk back up to number 58 in the live rankings. Three-set victory for her. You know, the serve was really struggling, in set number one was under 50%, but then things got under control as the match progressed, and she really began to separate herself, the weapons, the athleticism. You know, it's fascinating. I really do hope we get the potential quarterfinal between rescue and Kostjuk that by Seeds is scheduled to happen, because two players, very athletic, both exceptional shot makers, both can be exceptionally streaky. And for Andrescu, you know, we got to see the positives. Three and four win over Harriet Dart. Not only did she match Dart's, certainly top 100 level, maybe even top 75 first strike tennis that Dart's able to play And Andreescu was just faster. She was able to absorb that first strike. She employed the angles well. She employed the drop shots well. Still, though, was aggressive and assertive whenever the opportunity presented itself. Look... Uh, more than anything, you just want to see 40 weeks consecutively flee from Bianca Andreescu, right? You would love to see her play 40, 45 matches throughout the course of this season, be healthy in each of them. Because again, from a talent perspective, we know when Andreescu's in rhythm, what that ceiling can be. She just hasn't been able to capture that rhythm for more than three matches consecutively since probably the 2019 U.S. Open. And so, I like this decision for her to go play one of these 250-level events and try and find some rhythm. She also, by the way, needs it from a ranking perspective as Andrescu currently sitting at number 40. She'll get into everything she wants to play, but you don't want to draw Rabakina round two. You don't want to draw Sabalenka around three. You want to be seated. You want to save those battles for later on. Um, so I like this decision from her, Andrescu advancing in straight sets. That's a tricky win over Harriet Dart, who's playing well, but, you know, again— I mentioned Linda Fruvertova earlier. She is competing in this action. Fruvertova three and one over Bethany Maddox Sands. She just moves the ball so well around the court and I don't know if she's elite at anything yet other than perhaps absorbing and redirecting pace on her backhand wing, but Linda is very good at a lot of things and she just oh, she was just better at tennis than Bethany Maddox Sands. And to be seventeen years old, I know BMS, B Dog as I like to affectionately refer to her, our dear friend, um She's not at her best, of course, anymore, but she couldn't hurt Fruvertova. Fruvertova was just clearly better at tennis, and at some point that matters. Like when you're just so in control over an opponent like that, that's what good players do. And Fruvertova, at 17 years old, already being able to do that inside the top 50 now up to number 49 in the live rankings. That's fascinated to me. So again, uh, she advances. Now we have had some upsets here thus far. Number two seed Yulia Putensiva knocked out by Heather Watson. Watson, 7-6 in the third for the big hit in Brit over the always crafty Putenseva. That's a tough loss, though, uh, for the number two seed. You also had your third seed, Wang Shiyu, knocked out by the continuing-to-thrive Ju Lin. Ju Lin, a three-set win over Wang Xiu You look for Lin now. She is up uh, all the way to uh, number 55 in the live rankings, one off her career high, 29 years old. Come on now. She might get to play Indian Wells Miami main draws back-to-back. No worries about qualifying. Cash those checks, baby. Uh, again, her form continues to be real. The physicality, she just makes you freaking work. You know, again, Diana Yastremska, still captivating, hits the ball so big, so streaky. Three cent win, though, for her here to advance to round number two. So, again, from the youth movement perspective, Fruvertova, Kostyuk, Andrescu, Yastremska. Uh, Wang Xinyu, even as well. Those are the names to keep your eye on. And as of right now, Tennis Abstract says Andrescu, 30.9% favorite. Now, I didn't mention Anna Kalinskaya, who's just solid. She's another player. I don't know if she's elite at anything. She's pretty good at everything. Kalinskaya, second, 16.3%. Kostyuk, third, 11.9%. All three of those players, by the way, in the top half of the draw. The bottom half, which I don't believe features a top 50 player, it does now that Fruvertova is up to number 49 in the live rankings, but wouldn't otherwise. Um, yeah, they give Wang Xinyu an 8.9%, Fruvertova an 8.6% chance. I mean, again, it, it, it's wide open in that bottom half of the draw, and there are a lot of talented young players. So, this is that opportunity if you're any of the eight players. Fruvertova is at Danzig, Zhang, Julin, Lin, Wang Xinyu, Björk Lind, Han, Watson. This is a huge chance for you to make a push up the, up the rankings. And so this is what the month of February, of course, is all about. Uh, again, those are your two 250s on the WTA side for what it's worth entering the month of February right now first update of the year. Last 52 weeks is what we're going to use because one month is not a big enough sample size. But over the course of the last 52 weeks, here are your tennis abstract top 10, 15, 20, 25 clubs. Whoers who ranks on the women's side uh, the best in both hold and break percentage. The only person to rank top 10 and how frequently they're both holding and breaking serve. You can guess it. It is Iga Sviantek. Top 15, Pagula, Halep, Makes sense to me. They both do a lot of winning throughout the course of the year and are pretty good at everything, though not elite. Maybe maybe on the return they're elite, but not elite servers. That's what prevents them from being in the top 10. Makes sense. Boshkova, Goff, both in the top 20 club. Makes sense. Top 25, some players who have come strong of late. Donna Vekic, Ekaterina Alexandrova, who her best will just look that good statistically. Sabalenka and Jabir. Those are your nine players right now who rank top 25 in hold and break percentage feels about right like who's missing from that list that's at the top of the wta rankings right now all of your top four players in the world are there garcia number one server but too streaky as a returner Goff rank six she's in there Sakari, seven, no. Kasakina, breaks of serve, no. Benchic, same thing. Tough returner. Uh, Rabakina, not enough returns in play. Like, these are the well-rounded players. These have been your nine best players relative to, obviously, the streakiness of Alexandrova, the late... Appearance, you know, Vekic, this is very much a last 25 weeks as opposed to 52 weeks. And then Boschkova, who's dominated the 250 level. It makes sense that that's where we stand right now over the last 52 weeks. Those have been the names, in my opinion, that have felt most relevant outside of Garcia, who again is the number one server and that, and Rabakana, who's the number two server. And again, when you have that sort of weapon, you you are also in this conversation. So it makes sense that they're the two that are missing, but it makes sense that those are the names you talk about right now. Of course, for what it's worth, there is a 125K this week as we look at some of the other events uh, happening around the globe. The 125K in Cali. Number one seed, Rika Lukayani of Hungary. Uh, she's she's going to actually an underdog in her second round match. She's taking on Nadia Podoroska there. Of course, this event happening on the clay. So you see some of the names. Pagosi over... Uh, playing on the clay and you know again Contreras Gomez playing over on the clay as well you do see you know again a lot of Americans Whitney Osigwe, Jesse Annie, uh, Elvina Kaleva, Haley Baptiste interesting I'm keeping my eyes on this Cali 125k as well but I do want to end today's show with a little bit of uh, some thoughts on the Cleveland challenger again it's it's a delightful draw and I know there are four challengers on the week Bernie Coblen's Tenerife Cleveland right now according Bernie Challenger favorite Rinky Hijikata, according to the numbers uh Coblen's Challenger favorite Vashik Pasop and Tenerife Lloyd Harris is your favorite there but I mean this Cleveland Challenger is just made for me. You have top seed Emilio Gomez former USC all-American. You have number 2 seed Ebing Wu who of course Challenger superstar last year, won, went like 26-4 and four in ATP Challenger-level matches on the precipice of the top 100. He's got a fun one against the young American Aiden Mayo in round number one here today. Um, you know, again, three seed, the greatest college tennis, men's college tennis player of all time, Steve Johnson. Fourth seed, Jack Sock. You know, again, fifth seed, former Illinois All-American Alexander Kovacevic. Sixth seed, former Kalamazoo and Orange Bowl finalist, junior slam finalist. Precipice of top 100 players, Stefan Kozlov. Seventh seed, guy who has won matches at each of the last two hardcourt slams in Brandon Holt. Gab Diallo, the All-American from Kentucky who recently turned pro and beat his teammate Alafia Aini in round number one. Jack Pennington-Jones, the freshman who it looks like might be ineligible for TCU. Everything. This has everything. Kyle Seelig, like the the Ohio State veteran. I mean, again... You got everything you're looking for. Jonas for you check. I mean, Zach Svajda, Alex Mickelson, the su- I mean, he comes into Georgia next year, but one of the top recruits in the country who's won a bunch of Futures events of late. Guy's a stud. Guy's an absolute stud. And I'm going to get to see, you know, again, if you're tuning in, you're going to get to see him play this week, so be sure to be on the lookout for all of that, but yeah, it's a really good Cleveland challenger. And as of right now, your favorite to win the event, according to the numbers, Ebing Wu, eight uh, percent Jack Sock, 20.8%, Stevie J, 134 Gomez, 8.5%. After that, it's a fairly significant drop-off. I mean, come on. Like, that's a good week, considering the Australian Open ended f- – three and a half days ago or whatever it was. So that's what we'll be monitoring all week long here at Cracked Rackets. Tune in day in, day out to stay updated on all of the action. Of course, with that said, busy times here at CR. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. We'll recap every week of the Division I men's and women's college tennis seasons. Those uh, episodes, again, available live on YouTube, or if you're busy, you can catch them the next day on the Great Shot podcast feed. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, for the f*** <laughs> of an job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. We also, of course, have now officially broken down each of the first five episodes of the new Netflix docuseries, Breakpoint, which offers an in-depth look at life on the ATP and WTA tours. If you'd like to hear myself, Gil Gross, ruminate on each and every episode, you can find those over on the Inside Out podcast feed. Just search Breakpoint. You'll find it wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find it on the website, CrackRackets.com. You can find it on video over on Gil Gross's YouTube channel as well, of course. Last And certainly not least, a shout out to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With all of that said, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, that's the break, and we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.